Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks Musa Kwonga. How are you doing? As well as can be expected, minus eight. It is uh, cold. Uh, it is cold. It is cold. And I'm in the colder part of my flat, the sort of the living room area, which takes a while longer to warm up. So yeah. I'm wrapped up warm and I advise everyone else listening to this podcast who is in cold conditions to wrap up warm as well. On that note, quick bit of admin. Canadians. We know it's cold. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Did you see that amazing video that someone tagged us in the other day about how actually when it's about minus two or something like that, it feels colder than when it's like minus 30 because the when it gets colder, the it's a drier cold. So Canadians. That's interesting. Ha, come at Okwonga at your peril. Some cold content. Listen. I won't be dragged into the cold discourse. I find the cold feels warmer at the moment because it's so clear and clean. Yeah, 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 because it's so dry. Actually, so I went outside yesterday. It was like minus four, and I was like, "No, this is a, this is fine." Yeah, because again, it's it's a dry cold. It's clear. The air's good. Like we've got relatively low buildings here in Berlin so far, anyway. So yeah, I quite like it actually. Um, We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Um, Solidarity with the nurses striking today in the UK. we have a country that makes its most essential workers, so its most essential workers, essentially beg for better working conditions in sub-zero condition. Yeah. Uh, clapping doesn't pay the bills. It absolutely does not. The thing about the sub-zero conditions, right, it's not that like everyone is struggling, it's that actually we have a country where billions was just taken away in like masks that no one could use. The money's there. Yeah, the money's there, right. They money's know it there. is as well. I know that we, all, we often say on this podcast the suffering is necessary however this suffering not in real life it's absolutely unnecessary yeah yeah not real life okay yeah Yeah. stadio's official position is that the suffering is absolutely not necessary in real life in football oh my goodness inject it in football (laughs) make them suffer (laughs) more more (laughs) but yeah anyway in short solidarity with the nurses strike yes yes. okay um we're gonna go on today's show because you know we should keep politics out of football musa we should. It's a football podcast. Why are you talking about politics for? As I'm told so often in my mentions. What are you doing? I'm gonna, do you know what? I'm going to leave an angry review. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do with my own podcast. We are going to talk about the second World Cup semi-final that took place last night between France and Morocco. Quick bit of admin though. Christmas schedule is fast approaching. So on Monday, we've got a special episode. We're going to do the post-World Cup final episode on Monday morning. And it's going to be you and I and 
Ian Wright. And we're going to do a Stadio crossover with Wrighty's house. So what we're going to do is we're going to post them both on both feeds. And if you listen to Wrighty's house, you get a different intro and outro. And if you listen to Stadio, you get a different intro and outro. Not to so see. then you get us three chatting in the middle. Because sharing is caring. Absolutely. And um, also, you know, Ian will have a flight to catch. So we thought that, why don't we just do it? Why don't we just do it together this time? Sounds great. Then Wrighty's house will take a little bit of a break until the new year because uh, he hasn't been home. He needs to get home and have a little bit of time off. We will be doing two episodes after that. We will be doing another edition of our Football Things to be Grateful for this year, which will go up, I think, on Christmas Eve. And then we will have the fourth edition of the award ceremony that no one asked for, but everyone is going to get. God, the Stadios. It's the Stadios 2022 coming up. Has anyone oh actually boy. sent a request for the Stadios ever? Have you ever received a formal Listen, request for the Stadios? I have been, uh, although I have noticed that a lot of, let's say, prominent pundits, PR people have been in touch, you know, finessing the relationship before the uh, prop drove of award. <laughs> <laughs> can I say, can we safely say, no official media partner has ever approached us with interest in the Stadios. No sponsor, no major or minor sponsor, no yep. one, no one. You know no why? One. Literally, no one cares. No one cares. Like, no one cares. Every, when you say, if you, if you went up to someone, like, for example, who, who are the two, who are the two previous, uh, Ronald Koeman and Phil Neville, I think, were our, pre, our only two winners of the Prop Joe Award, which yep. for those who don't know, it's basically for the biggest glow up of the year. Yeah. The biggest kind of like. Who has finessed their way to the top of the yeah, football how, tree. That is a, wow. Wow. They got that gig? You know? <laughs> If someone, if, you know, for example, if someone went up to Phil Neville and was like, how do you feel about winning the Stadio Prop Joe, the uh, Prop Joe Award? He'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't watch The Wire and I don't know what that podcast is. <laughs> so, <laughs> please leave me alone. No one cares. Anyway, no one cares about the Stadios, but. You're going to get them. We do. So you're going to get them. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm the captain. <laughs> I choose. <laughs> okay, you get it, you get it or get it. Uh, so that'll be up th- uh, between Christmas and New Year. That'll be our final show of the year, and then we'll be back Thursday the fifth of January. Sounds perfect. And then full steam ahead for the rest of the season. Any other admin? TheRinger.com forward slash soccer. Stadio Outros plays on Spotify. All right then. Keep politics and admin out of football podcasts. <laughs> and let's talk about the football after this. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. France to Morocco, nil, which does not tell the full footballing story. It really doesn't. How are your thoughts? How are your thoughts on this game? I've got my thoughts. I've got my strong thoughts. Um, my th- <sighs> a disappointing, disappointing bookends to a riveting story. I thought really having having a goal so early. I thought was a bit of a. I think it deflated the, the sense of occasion a tiny bit because it felt like there was a little, little bit of inevitability happening. Okay. And I think it took a little bit of a while for Morocco to recover from that, um, especially when you had Roman Saiz go off with an injury. I mean, after the, the quarterfinal, it looked highly unlikely that he was going to play anyway. Mm. Um, but then Morocco made it a hell of a lot more interesting than I thought they were going to after that early goal. And mm. I put in the right house group after that second goal. This is exactly the kind of goal that was going to settle this game. You know, it just felt like, uh, I don't want to make it all about Arsenal, but it felt kind of very similar to many Arsenal-Manchester United games that I've seen in the past. You know, That's a perfect analogy, actually. Yeah. I mean, we'll come on to the big picture stuff and more tactical stuff in a little bit, but that's my summary. I mean, initially just uh, 
slight, obviously from a French point of view, unbelievable back-to-back finals. This is not something that we should overlook at all, but I think for the neutral, um, France going ahead so early was a little bit like, ah, shit. And then the timing of the second goal was, was, was not late enough that it, we've really had, felt that like we had a contest right till the end. Mm. I'm going to throw something else in. I have not seen a France team that passive in a major tournament since 2006 World Cup final. And they, again, they got an early goal with Zidane's Panenka. And then they seem to just sit and wait for victory. Now, there's a different way to analyse this France performance, which is that Morocco had beaten Spain, who'd come at them a certain way. Spain came up with slow, short passes. Morocco then faced Portugal, who came at them with long, fast passes, and they beat both. So then France was thinking, why don't we invite pressure and make them play a different kind of football? which yeah. is very bold. And I think almost too bold. And that worked for them. It was 2-0, so what do I know? Deschamps is a way smarter individual. And at the same time, I thought to myself, is this gamble excessive? And it felt excessive to me because even with the early lead, they invited so much pressure. And I thought, Morocco are too good to give that much of the ball. And I think that, I think France got lucky actually. I think they got lucky because El Yamek hitting the post, the bicycle kick, size going oh off with it, him right, right. And the pressure, Unahi with the great effort from distance, which Laurie's made a great save on. That save gets better and better the more you watch it because that ball is going right in the bottom corner. And Loris actually makes a great choice to put it where he does, to palm it away like that. There was so much Morocco did that was so impressive. Some of the overlapping, Buffal breaking from midfield, turning in the half spaces, beating them in crucial areas. This is the thing, the joy... I know that France was sitting deep and absorbing pressure, but if you're going to do that with a defensive two in front of your back four, you've got to soak up pressure. And the amount of gaps that Morocco found, I think, surprised France. I'll tell you this as well. This is the first time in the tournament that Koundé looked like a centre-back who moonlights as a right-back. It is the first time in the tournament he did not look like a full-time full-back. And that is absolute credit to Morocco. So the gaps they were finding, the... Put it this way, the amount of times that Griezmann was doing the job of defenders nominally better than him at his job on the right he's, flank. He's in a shout for top three players at the tournament, Antoine Griezmann. I think he's top two, actually, at this point. I think that's also very fair. I think he's, do you know I say this? Because Fafana, there was one passage of play in the second half where on three occasions within 15 seconds, Fafana gets turned in key areas. And the person mm-hmm. that gets it out from six, who digs it out from six yards is Griezmann. And Fafana, look, here's the thing. I think Carl mentioned this. He was like, why not Kamavinga? Why Fafana? Now, Deschamps has his reasons, right? And maybe he thought, uh, Pamukkale being out, Kanate defensively, I thought was very solid, actually, for most of the game. It was really impressive. I'm sure Deschamps has his um, reasons, but he got away with one with Fafana. I think he... um... I think the the, the risk-reward thing with Kamavinga at this stage of the tournament is quite high. Mm. I think, for example... Kamavinga is if it was Rabio in there mm. or if it was Pogbrook or Kante Rabiot was in a huge there, loss exactly Rabio losing like uh, missing out for realness is, is enormous is a big deal in this game having Kamavinga in there with Trumeni would have just been I think a little bit too not untrusted but let's say untested at international level are there and questions I, over his defensive capacity Kamavinga. Uh, I wonder if that's what's maybe, going on. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But also, I think that you're asking potentially two young players who three months ago would never have been expected to start the tournament, probably in midfield together. I do have no chemistry, play, like unlike Fafana to play, in a, to play in a World Cup semi-final. I think the Fafana. Some made big. A, yeah, some made a point that Fafana Chiromani have that dynamic for Monaco days, mm. so they know how each other like to move, which is a very good point. It's a very good point. I think that's well stated yeah, because it's not like it's not like Fafana is like 28. You know, they're both young, young dudes. What, Fafana's 23, Germany's 22. So they're, and not, his defense, they're not he babies, made, but they're not yeah. like, what I mean is that that, that partnership together is makes a, a little bit more sense than if you chuck Kamavinga in there, I think, right now. And I think as well, yeah. And, and it also in Fafana's defense, he was very strong going forward and his break led to the decisive second goal. So he was much more comfortable on the front foot, um, which funnily enough, actually makes you wonder why France didn't advance that midfield five, mm. 10 yards. I do think they sat a little too deep, actually. Um, 
And Morocco played some superb football. Superb football. Finding Ziyech in that pocket, in the inside, right space. Uh, Hakimi overlapping really, really well. Some decent switches. Amrabat again, pushing the ball on nicely. Like There was a lot they did that really just needed a little bit more decisiveness in the finish in the final third, but everything else was great. I thought. Yeah. There was another thing that we were talking about mid game. I can't remember if it was the, I think it was the, during the first half where we were like, Morocco's passing angles are wild. Wow. And the thing that, the thing that triggered that for me was, uh, I think Ziyech played a pass from the right flank diagonal towards the six position, mm. like in the air, lofted, awful, awful, uh, height for the player to receive it. I can't remember even who received it. I think it actually got cut out. And there was another one in quick succession that was just someone just hit one from the inside pinged. left. Someone yeah, hit one from the inside left position to the right flank and they ripped it. And I'm like, whoa. It was on those ones where like um you know in rugby when they miss a man out with the long mm, the long diagonal. Mm. And they hammered it was, it. it was very risky. And I yeah. thought actually yeah. the the only thing that I was concerning me in that first half from Morocco was just like you could tell that this was a side that throughout the whole tournament had no, no had like basically hardly any of the ball mm. because they were used to being reactive as opposed to proactive. Yes. Dominic Vieira over, um, over his plan football days, we were talking about this um, shout out to Dominic, one of the smartest football minds out there. And he said, how would I play Atleti? Cause this one Atleti were on that big mm. run. They were on a bit like Morocco are now. They're on that big run. He said, I'd give them the ball give them the ball, make them make decisions, make them put together complex passing sequences. And the moment one of those breaks down, we're on them. And Carl said this actually uh, last night, we're chatting about it in the chat. And Carl was like, yeah, like they're just waiting for Mbappe to pounce. And it was literally as soon as he said that within, I think five, well, within a minute of Carl saying that, Chiumeni broke beautifully, angled it in, mm. and Mbappe basically slightly overrounding it out of his feet and almost put it in the corner. And it was just that level of, Mbappe requiring constant supervision, but the knowledge that at some point he gets space. Mm. And this is the thing, like Mbappe actually was defended fairly well down that flank. You had- I like, thought he was pretty quiet for his stance. I think that's two games in a row. And, I, and yeah. you're asking him to do like, this is judging him by Mbappe levels. I still think he's been extremely effective in decisive moments of both games. But the last two games have probably been his quietest of the tournament, I think. This is the thing, he still decided also, the game. He still decided the, the game. Cup, it's the World Cup quarterfinal and semifinals. No one, like, this is no Mickey Mouse thing. This is, again, this is to the point. Look how quiet Messi was in that first half against the Netherlands. Yeah. And look what he did to them. He destroyed them. He destroyed them in, what, a and few that's, seconds. That's, that's a sign of maturity from elite players. You, you yeah. Because so many people have struggled to find those margins in that game. Some of the greatest players of all time have struggled to affect games, even in the smallest, most decisive moments, at the most optimum time. And I think what Mbappe did, like even for the, the second goal, like the second goal was, I think, really unlucky for Morocco. We'll talk about the goals in a sec, but I think that it came from Mbappe basically just being like, I've got an, I've got an opportunity to change the game here. And he did so. And also came where, from moving him inside. From. Also moving yeah. him inside, because actually there's a limit to how much you can say, okay, let's put you in a foot race against two players. Mm. If you don't cut up the first one, you probably won't get past the second. Like there's a limit to that strategy and moving him inside and shout out to Marcus Turam who allowed that to happen. And yeah, Marcus Turam actually did really well when he came on. The most, most one of his distinctive um, sprint styles in world football because he's really, really fast. And also you can see him changing gear. Mm. You can actually see, <laughs> you can see the point in which it's just like a stutter step and it's like bang. And his movements, so unorthodox, smart, great, you know, great runs. I will say this as well, like, <laughs> it's a slight superficial note, but it was really funny to see him on the sideline. Cause like, this man has had a fresh trim. Like, <laughs> Marcus. Yeah. It was like, the trim was like two hours old. He looked so clean and crisp. He was like, this is, <laughs> show me a man more aware of his moment is, is his close up. <laughs> so, quick call in the morning. Of course, his barber is just like, apparently I'm going to come on later. So Listen, he was ready. <laughs> um, let's start with the first goal because yep. both goals are pretty scruffy from a French point of view. Mm. Um, but Griezmann does really well to like pull into that channel. And he that rolls El Yamek a little bit. Off. Yeah. El Yamek, yeah. And the ball kind of looks like it's going out of play, bounces up and then Tio Hernandez just hangs. It hangs there. The ball hangs there for ages. That's like shoulder height, isn't it? He's been amazing this tournament, Bono. 
I think if you look at the replay, and there's a, there's a really good replay when you can kind of see the distance that the pair of them are away from the ball, as in like Bono and Hernandez. Mm. But like we were slightly nitpicky about Pickford's positioning for the goal in the semi-final, in the quarterfinal, sorry. And I feel, har- I feel harsh criticising Bono because he has had a really great tournament. But still, I think it's such a small, tiny, split-second decision. But he's actually rooted, mm. stationary, in front of Hernandez for a split second. And if he continues that motion going out, because he has the opportunity to obviously use his hands, do you know? I think it was though, actually take that off that. his head. The gravitational pull of Mbappe arriving in the box and drawing four defenders, and your focus is on that. And when the ball breaks to Hernandez, it's like when the moment Griezmann gets in there, it's like the air raid siren goes off because the ball gets squared, Mbappe's on it, and then everyone collapses on him. Four mm. or five defenders collapse on Mbappe. It was actually foreshadowing the second goal. In fact, both goals came from that, didn't they? Mm. Both yeah, goals came from so, yeah. the ball breaking from four or five players collapsing onto Mbappe, not just in terms of their physical bodies, but also their attention. Should we drop, a, should we drop another basketball? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They collapsed on Mbappe and he just kicked it he out. He kicked it out. Exactly. He kicked it out. That's it. Devastating. And, and the Mike Breen went bang. Mbappe <laughs> was deep in the paint. And so then what happens then? Bono switches attention to Teo Hernandez and it's almost like your focus is still on one area. When it looked like it was going off, I thought it was going out for a corner. Mm. Uh, and I looked down to check something on my phone and then the goal, and then the ball was at the back of the net. I was like, what the fuck? How could it be? I thought this was going for a quarter. What the hell? So listen, I shouldn't criticise Bono because I switched off and I wasn't even there. But if you're looking, I know what you mean though, because it's, it's when you're looking at like the places where there are just opportunities where Morocco will look back and be like, oh, obviously the loss yeah, of size, yeah. the loss of size is devastating. Massive. And, the biggest and game of his the tournament. rest of the players through the tournament. Biggest game of his career, devastating loss. And again, if Morocco looked back at some of these opportunities, Amala and um, Hamdala had some great oh, efforts. That one in the second half, I had no idea how it didn't go in the back of the net. And some of the breaks as well that they made, like when they broke ground, when they beat Chuamene, you know, actually who defensively was given more trouble, I think, in this game than I saw in any other game in this tournament. There was this thing with Morocco when they broke ground so well that it was almost like if you can just find the finishing touch and they couldn't. Mm. And these again, margins, it's getting a shot off in time. It's getting your head to a cross that's maybe two inches beyond you. It's just, ah, but it was there for them. It was absolutely there for them. But still, Hernandez has done unbelievably well to get that in from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really good finish, that. It's, it's a really, really good finish, finish even for, yeah. but then actually but, talking of this, talking of amazing finishing, this game should have been moot, actually, with that miss from Giroud. The one off the post? Not the one off the post. Actually, it was a good, the one off the post, he could have maybe got inside the post if we're nitpicking again. He, he, hit, he caught that so clean though. It's hard. I feel bad criticizing that. Giroud, bless him. The man had to outpace. <laughs> Giroud, no, I don't want to sound mean. Giroud, like, he pushed that into his fifth gear for that sprint. So if you see that sprint, that man was gunning it and then hit it on the run early. So I've got to give him credit for that at least. That's <laughs> you know what I mean. And, but the one that I would criticize him for is the, um, the miss that he got that broke to him after I think Mbappe had made the initial incursion. And he turns that wide and Dembele is just like, what the hell, dude? And that's because I think he could have taken a touch and just slotted it in the corner. And even, yeah, Giroud, yeah. even Giroud himself knew that because he turns away and he's like, damn, this was like... Phew. And here's the thing, Giroud never got this many clean looks in the last World Cup. There was a lot of talk about Giroud not scoring in 2018, but Giroud didn't really get like an abundance of chances. This team actually creates more than the 2018 team did. Mm. We had to fend for yourself a lot more uh, and be more efficient. So yeah, France could, despite having been the inferior team in the first half, in my opinion, have been 2-0 up. But they did this weird thing though, when the goal went, when they, when they took the lead, mm. they started kind of acting up a little bit for 20 minutes and were almost a bit like, they dropped off, they stopped mm. engaging. And- I thought the intensity dropped right off a cliff and it was so strange because I, I actually had to ask like, you know, of course, if it's a World Cup, you're in multiple WhatsApp groups. I was just like, is it just the- uh- All right, flex. I'm just in one. Are you not in? Okay. Sorry. I'm in a couple of signals as well. I'm in a Garfield group. Listen, Listen, I've got different groups. I've got different takes in each group. (laughs) Different different variants of different different groups. (laughs) (laughs) The universal WhatsApp. One's more political, one's more chaotic. Some I'm just dropping voice notes in them. (laughs) And actually, spoiler alert, record scratch. One's actually mega right wing. <laughs> <laughs> right wing got quanker. Oh, God. 
Oh no. Oh no. Oh my god. So uh, disclaimer that is not true. But I, I just really that was, that was a joke, everyone. Please do not. A moment I was like, no, it feels like they've really dropped off and it's a conscious choice and they're going to say, okay, Morocco, what have you got to come at us and beat us? And again, Deja won the gamble. Yeah. So can we really criticise him too much? I mean, here's the thing. He lost to Pamukano, um, who would have been his first choice, I think, through illness. Lost Rabio as well. Those are two huge losses on top of losses they sustained prior to the tournament. And so he might argue, well, actually, I made major adjustments to my defensive spine and I'm in a World Cup final with a clean sheet, having scored twice against the team that does not like conceding goals. You could argue that. Like he could be like, well, actually, it worked out. Mm. And we could say, well, not by much. And he could say, it worked out. And I, I, I only think this, if France do that in the final against Argentina, they're not winning. And Argentina won't have watched that and felt intimidated. They'll have looked at that and thought, ah, we can get some joy here. Messi's assist for Alvarez's second goal is probably the single most important passage of play for the final because it comes in a, in a particular pocket that Morocco exploited, yes. that England tried to exploit and did really well in, mm. and that France are probably at their most vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. It's a horrible matchup. That It's a horrible matchup. And it's one that Deschamps would rather have Lucas as opposed to Teo in that corner. Um, but again, margins. And I think the midfield battle would be so interesting to see if Rabiot recovers because his absence, and this is credit to him, I did not know he would have a tournament this good. His absence shows just how important he is. But this is not a knock-on for Fana. It's just that to come into that game as a starter in a World Cup semi-final, in effect, what was a home game for Morocco. I mean, the crowd was so loud. Mm. The booze, mm. the booze that France got the first few minutes. Were oh, Moussa Okonga saying the booze in the same way that he usually says the food for a fixture. <laughs> <laughs> so for Fana to come into that... I'm pretty sure at the end, Deja will have a chat and be like, do you know what? Like that was rough out there, but you did well. Mm. I think there was a bit of a pep talk that must have happened at the end because he went through it. And actually it was interesting to see him when they got their second goal. He was the one prompting them back to the halfway line. He was the one urging them, like when Morani scored, shout out to Colin Morani, Eintracht Frankfurt, bossing things, um, scoring with virtually his first touch, which we'll get into. We'll describe that goal in a sec. Yeah, I mean- But yeah, but, but yeah. big for Fafana with some leadership energy there. I like to see that. I think the Fr France have got this amazing thing about them where before the tournament, they were obvious, obviously one of the favourites. Mm. They've, they've, they've had to absorb probably, well, I mean, I don't think this is a hot take, but in terms of a collective value of, of players, in, as in like playing value, They've absorbed bigger injury losses than probably anyone else in the tournament. And it's not close. It's I mean, I know close. obviously the ind individually, I think the most individual one is the Sadio Mane Senegal one, but I think it's a collective like. Yeah, it's not close. Thing. They've lost a huge amount Nkunku, of their core. Pogba, Kante, Lucas Hernandez, Benzema, and Benzema. Jesus, Benzema was like just yeah, Benzema. Jesus, it's, you know, like literally the Ballon d'Or winner. Christ, the Ballon d'Or winner, Benzema. Christ. Exactly. And the, the fact that they have kind of, not cruised, but very quietly just made their way to the final, doing exactly what they need to do. And it's, it's, it's very Real Madrid 2015 to 18. Yeah. I think Morocco probably still showed them a little bit too much respect, actually. I and think the, you, maybe you, with you, the finishing. I was trying to figure out what I, what this Morocco like the wave after wave of attack in the second half. Because mm. it, it, for a while, it felt a little bit like they just kept going, right? I nearly sang wave after wave, but I didn't. That's gross. Do it. Do no, it. I'm not, not going to do it. Do it. Wave it. after wave. Jesus <laughs> Christ. It felt like Morocco played the last 70 minutes of that game like it was consistently the last two. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's very and fair. She was just like, you have so much time. You have so much ability in that squad, in that in the, in those players that are on the pitch and you kind of have them if you exploit the, the, the gaps that they're leaving you. Yeah. And so the players, the players in that team that were the really, the ones that were the more seasoned, the, 
the ones who've gone deep in the Champions League, like they could clock it. They knew what it was. They knew exactly what it was. You could see from the reaction at the end. Yeah, you can see the reaction at the end from like a couple of players, I mean, looking shattered because they Mm. knew. This wasn't like, oh, like plucky Morocco got to the semis. It was like, no, we could have won the entire tournament. Mm. There's absolutely a universe in which Morocco win the the World Cup. Definitely. Do you think think Regrari and Hakimi in a few years' time do that kind of similar? You remember when the... Gary Lineker did that thing with Bobby, Bobby Robson. Robson. Yes, and it's like we were, and this, we were like, this close. We were this close. Oh, of course, because the harmony of the squad, the way that Walid Regragui, shout out to him, incredible leadership, changing a formation at certain times, pushing people up certain on places. As well. Oh, man. <sighs> it was like they knew that there was, they, they believed. He absolutely believed. There was no kind of like, hey, we got to the semi finals. Let's. Listen, no, if Wally's ever done that before, if Wally is ever in Berlin and has a spare like half hour, the black tears on me anytime, my man. Listen, Wally, anytime. It's complimentary. Hey, listen, we know an amazing Moroccan joint that will With go that, for lunch. My, my, my guy, absolutely. Listen, don't Five, give it away. Five, listen. <laughs> listen. Real ones. Save though. it. Save it for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's. Uh, uh, before I forget, we've got to discuss the um, the second goal by Mouani. Yeah. And I want to talk about this. First touch. I want to, well, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about another first touch. I want to talk about what Mbappe does in the box because this hesitation, yeah. the hesitation is what opens us up. So there's a goal that um, Yaya Toure scores, I think for Man City against, is it Newcastle? Like on the title run where he's in Might the be. box and he's based, I think he scores a couple of goals in, against Newcastle. And I think this is the game that kind of like puts City decisively noses in front for the title. And it's like, the ball comes from a similar area, inside left position, and there's no space. And he just lets the ball slide across his body. And then like the Morocco defender just cuts. And that's what Mbappe does. It's incredible here. Ball comes to him from Turam. And he just like throws his weight to the left and then just lets the ball slide across him. And then the gap opens up and I'm like, they're already dead. It's unreal because then the second touch, in step, cuts and within, within like, a split second and within like two meters, he's taken out four defenders. He's drawn four defenders. It's unbelievable, the footwork there. It reminds me of like, I'm going to do one of those things where I talk about a computer game that you haven't played, but on Red Dead Redemption, <laughs> you can do this thing where you Most slow often. everything down. Yeah. Uh, if you're like being chased by, um, you know, let's just say a, a rabble of bad men and you need to... <laughs> Disposed of them Normal in a men, way that one would men. at the turn of the eight, uh, 19th, 20th century, which I do not advocate for. It's only a game. And you kind of like slow everything down so you can actually like do them all at once while you're riding a horse at, you know, whatever. There you go. I'm cool. <laughs> hey, honestly, listen, I don't care. Red Dead Redemption 2 is one of the best games of all time. But that sounds and, great. There's, there's, anyway, there's, 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 there's a free frame motion. There's a freeze frame motion. Yeah, it's kind of, it just kind of goes, boom, slows right down. So you're, you can operate in real time, but everyone else is operating at like a quarter speed. And it kind of feels like in certain positions, that's what Mbappe's like. There's something very threatening about someone that fast dribbling that slow. It's quite terrifying because you know that at any speed, the afterburner comes on. What makes Mbappe so devastating is not his speed. There's a lot of fast footballs. It's the change of speed. Anytime. Yeah the change of speed, the hesitation dribble. And there was something so old school actually about the way he did that. It was like watching, you know, like, you know, Pele back in the day, taking on a cluster of defenders and really going at them with bravery. And again, there's, there's like, what? There's like three or four players in the world that can do that at any time at this level under that pressure. And of course, one of them, unfortunately from Morocco, received possession in the inside left position with 20 minutes to go. And it was a good night because he hits that shot. It's scuffed. But because he draws so much attention, Morani's at the back post. And actually, shout out to him for the great movement. A lot of people don't hold their run like that, Ryan. Mm. They collapse. And this is an underrated part of like spreading the front three or spreading the forward line. A lot of strikers don't score from that distance. There's a different universe in which he doesn't crash the box like that. And he's five, six yards off it. And the ball goes harmlessly out of play. Shout out to him. That was 2-0 and effectively after that, it was, it was a good night, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, 11 minutes to go, turn up, that really, but still, Morocco still had a couple of really good chances after that. And if they'd got one back in that time. They never felt they had two goals in them against this no, France. They this is the problem, if we're honest. It never felt like- I think like, if they'd scored yeah. early, they would have done. No, I agree. Because if they got one France back- would have had to come out a little bit more. If they got but, them yeah. one back in the first half, then it's a different mm-hmm. story, but they never felt like 
and this is again not a knock on them, like France, even when they're subpar, can grind it out. And Konate, again, I got to say this, so he's impressive. Unbelievable. And he's amazing. Like, amazing. Like, this is, I, I saw a lot of stuff going around Twitter last night being like, wow, Konate's really good. Yeah, he is. He's been good for ages. Like, the thing is, not when to be that guy, but he was the one who came through at Leipzig that everyone was just like, this kid is going to be unbelievable. Right. Um, I think you and I were even talking about it being like, I think I, I was like, Arsenal have to go and get this guy. Yeah, we were, it, we were raving know, He was available yeah, 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 in like yeah. 2018, yeah. I think it was, for like 20 mil. Yeah. There was a few rumours around. Then he got this really bad injury and Upa Meccano over, slightly overtook him in terms of hype. But And I think that because of that early hype and then that major injury that he suffered, it's been a little bit tricky for him to, I, I don't know, like re, re, regain that kind of position in the in in the pecking order. Yes, yes, I mean. yes. It, it's been injury, definitely. But he's, but he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, two, three years time, it's Kanate and Saliba as the the lockdown France pairing. This is what made me like. I was, in and shock. you know what? I don't think France would ever ever concede a goal ever again. When I was in shock, I was looking at the the lineups again um, at the start of the game. I was just like, Saliba's on the bench. That is Dude, how good France are. How Saliba's stacked on they're the going to be at centre back. Like <laughs> Kunde, Saliba, Kanate, Upamakano. Like wild, wild, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So I think for France, like we were talking about before, I think they've they've got to the final. I, th- I think in and they've escaped a little bit more. I think than we ex- probably would have expected to expected them to or maybe that they would have had, had they been fully, fully one one more slight bit of criticism we're going to need more from Usman Dembele in the final I think so I, I think thought, he, had a, he had a really good group stage I thought his positioning he wasn't bad in the knockout side and he hasn't been no. bad in the knockout side he's done some really great stuff I think the one thing I would say in terms of the criticism is I felt there was a lot more joy down the Morocco left than he looked for mm. very early on in the first half you see him get the ball out wide and that flank is not looking forward to his arrival at all. And he cuts inside twice and lets them off. And he only intermittently goes at them. So he must have been taught that. He must have been taught to keep the game compact. That must have been an instruction because he did it so often that I was like, no, it must be a design. Because we've seen him go for the touchline in other games. And when, like I said, when it happens that often, and because he has been following tactical instruction, maybe he was told to tuck in, is all I can conclude. But I just do think that like, for France to really, to take this final, they got to have them stretching the play. There's no yeah. question for, for my, yeah, that's my one sort of small criticism out wide, but that's, that's really it. Um, so France through to the final against Argentina, uh, the second final, or second world, back-to-back World Cup finals. Yeah, hugely impressive to do that. What's your instant thoughts? Do you know? Can you tell? What's that, sorry? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's, Who's going to win? win? Who's going to win the World Cup? I know I this, have, we, don't, we don't really do this, but go on. Who, who do you do? No idea, honestly. I have no idea. I don't. I no. genuinely don't. It's genuinely, I really this, don't. It's not, it's not like um, 2010 where you're like, it's Spain's to lose because yeah. the Netherlands have ground their way to the final and so they have to really contain Spain because it's on their terms. It's, it had been on Spain's terms the way they played, even though they were not scoring many goals. They'd controlled games. The final in 2018 felt a little bit inevitable as well, I think. Even though Croatia were superb in the first half, you felt that, yeah, France had the firepower because you'd seen it unleashed against Argentina, incidentally yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. This, this feels game, like the 2014 final. Yeah, this game. Actually. Yeah. Although... Because France Argentina, feel a little bit like Germany in 2014 for Argentina have more tools than 2014. They've got yeah, more tools. They do. Does that but make sense? Still, but still on paper... That, well, no, I actually disagree. I think they had just as many tools in 2014, I just think that the tools that they have at their disposal this time have functioned better. To me, this feels like 06. Ooh. This feels like 06, yeah. In just terms of the um, France's uh, defensiveness when they have a lead, but also their ability to control games if they have to, Argentina have players that can control tempo. They have individual mavericks that really go at you and take the game away from you in a moment. They have depth, actually. We haven't really explored Argentina's attacking depth. Um, yeah, this is the 06 final. 
for me, I would say, in terms of mood. And again, I couldn't call that at all. Could go to penalties. It could, could easily end up France 3, Argentina 1. It could easily end up Argentina 3, France 1, with masterclasses from both the protagonists. You know, Ooh. My ideal result is for is either team to win. My, either, my ideal result is for either team to win 4-2 with two goals from both Mbappe and Messi. So no one can call them bottlers on the big stage, no matter what happens. That's my ideal result. 4-2 either way. After extra time. <laughs> Completely agree with that. I have the same sentiment. I don't want anything. I don't want any hashtag banter narratives to be thrown at anyone. I also, my one major wish, and it's the only thing that I have a definitive wish for the final, is that I hope there isn't a hugely controversial moment. VAR. I don't want a VAR decision. I don't want a massive contro- I don't want a massively controversial moment. I don't want I don't want the I don't want an hour of the post match to be talking about one thing. I mm. want people to be talking about the actual brilliance of it. Can I say I want I want one major red card, but I want it to Is be it a to mascot. Yourself? I want a mascot. Want I want a mascot to be booked and then sent off for dissent. I want that I want that to happen. <laughs> So that's the only red card I want to see. I want to see that happen, that kind of energy. But other we didn't that, even nothing. mention it the other day. But Mandzukic got sent off. Oh yes, so, yeah, <laughs> slyly under the radar, got sent off. And uh, yeah, we should have we should have mentioned that. Sorry, I think it was with the penalty. But yeah, Emily Oren was like, yes. Oh my goodness, Okonga's going to enjoy that. Mrs. is going to enjoy oh, that. <laughs> we should talk about Morocco a little bit. Mm. Uh, I think it's been huge for African football. Mm. I think it's been huge for for a lot of discourse around what it feels to be African, what it feels to be Arab, what it feels to be both and the complexities of a lot of identity as well. I've seen, I've read some really, really interesting stuff throughout this tournament based on Morocco's progress. Yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't fully processed the enormity of their achievement. They knocked out no. Spain and Portugal. And They, they knocked and out honest, Spain and Portugal. They, they weren't 2-0 worse than France. They've beaten better teams. They've arguably beaten better teams. You could argue, like, if you're doing all the stats and running the numbers, they've beaten as good teams as any team that, like, got to that final four. Certainly. They beat Luis Enrique's Spain and Fernando Santos Portugal. That's huge. That's World Cup winning form. This is why, like, whenever I was doing, like, conversations, interviews about it, I was like, they're not a dark horse. They're a horse. I came in the tournament Yes, they can because they've beaten better sides than anyone else mm. left. Incredible. And they not just beaten, but outfought and they weren't scraping to these wins. They actually were like, we've got different tactical schemes for, for, for both these sides and we're going to outthink them and we're going to cook them. And here's the thing, they were so good in those games where they beat Spain and Portugal, they forced those countries and those people into existential crises. Do you realize how yeah. good you've got to be to do yeah. that? Shout out, we said again, to Walid Regragui and his entire coaching staff. And I just hope that, and it's not, look, it's not all about money. It's not all capitalism. Don't get me wrong. At the same time, there's part of me that thinks, I want you to get good contracts wherever you end up next, whether you stay at Fiorentina, Amrabat, whether you move on. Mm. I want you and your youth clubs uh, to get all those sell-on fees that probably agreed in your contract. Like, I want you all to get some proper infrastructure development. I just want like... What this means for uh, African football, I want it to like encourage people, not in a kind of weird rivalry way as in like, oh my God, how could Morocco do that? Not us. Not in that kind of weird, no. um, petty mentality, but also like, oh, this is what's possible. This is an opportunity for learning and sharing and like, oh, tactical now. So like, why did you make that adjustment? Like this man, Wally is not paying for a meal anywhere <laughs> on the continent the rest of his life. <laughs> It's free food everywhere. There's a wonderful quote that he had after the game where he just said, injuries didn't help us. It was a bit too much for us. We gave everything we had. We didn't start the match well either. At Mm. this level, you make a mistake, you pay. You were too sloppy and you can't make the final playing that sloppy. And what I love about that quote is that there is no like, ah, well, we did our best. and No. uh, We didn't really expect to be here. It was just like, that that is a guy who knew how close they were. To winning the and whole thing. And, yes. and it's just like, I don't, you, you can imagine him, obviously I'm not, I don't know him, I've never spoken to him, I don't know what it was like in the dressing room, but it went, with that kind of quote, you can imagine him being like, 
I don't care about the quarterfinal. I don't fucking care about the semifinal. Like, first African team to do it. I don't care. Let's go to the final. We're good enough. We can win this thing. And I think that you actually saw there was there was obviously um, you know, an awareness and a kind of an appreciation of their own achievement and what they'd done on the pitch afterwards. But you saw how disappointed those Devastated. players were. They were like, they were like, no, we could have done this. Actually. Ryan El Hamick for the mistake he makes to let Griezmann in. Griezmann doesn't mm. even do much to get onto that ball. It's literally no. just the first couple of seconds of the game, first couple of minutes of the game, and El Hamick steps across the ball that he has cleared a thousand times. El Hamick has been clearing that ball into the stands or playing it out since he was six years old. I don't know if there's ever a ball in that channel that he hasn't cleared out. He probably clears 99% of them and he'll replay that and be like, how did that ball get through? Mm. Because it's not even hit with particular speed or guile. It's just a missed pass. And that's it. That's it. And Griezmann saw it. And the worst thing is it fell to the most efficient player on the pitch, on the entire pitch. It is Griezmann that makes the most out of an opportunity like that. And this is the thing as well, like, We've talked about Griezmann so often, it's Firmino's law at this point, like, you know, so underrated, he's rated. But really, if he's missing from either of those games, England or Morocco, France are out. It's not even a debate. France are out. So shout out to Morocco because they extended themselves to every level. And it's, it's heartbreaking that the only mistakes they made, they were just punished so ruthlessly for. Basically, only really that one if you think about it, because the Mbappe dribble and like, you know, when it squirms clear to Morales. That's so scrappy. It's, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's, not, could, it's not a mistake. Yeah. It's not a mistake. No, no, it's not. And it's one of those that, I mean, it's like I say, like, also the margins, that first one, like I. That's the, that's the crucial thing. But from, from what Regragui said, it was, it was too much. I think that's the key, isn't it? It just was too much. When you're slightly tentative, Ryan, isn't it? You're mm. slightly slower to the ball because the occasion's enormous. Like we, we will never know how loud it was in that stadium how emotional it was. We'll never know like all the messages of support they got, which are lovely at some level, but also overwhelming. You're the center. It's a lot. Of the, you're the center of the Arab world. You're the center of the Muslim world, the center of the African world. You're the center of the planet. You're carrying a lot of hopes on your shoulders into that in a, in a football tournament, especially when you're the first team to do that in that tournament. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, do you know what I'm really excited for? Morocco at the Women's World Cup because they were unbelievable in the Women's AFCON. And uh, it'd just be off the back of this success. It would be really great to see them given the full backing of the federation and just to make a real push. Do you know? I love that you say that because I was talking to a friend of mine who's doing. Um, shout out to Andrew. He's doing. Uh, he's on an incredible coaching course at the moment. Um, and he was talking about the money that's been put into Moroccan football in terms of development and the coaching. I said, it's funny. You can really see that. You can really see that from the tactics, the game management, and actually talk with the press they were under. The, the freedom they played with, actually, Bufal in particular, the freedom that Morocco played with. So they can take that into next year's World Cup. That's super exciting. Semi-final of the Men's World Cup, finalists and runners-up in the Women's AFCON. See there in like, July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to add for that? Or should, we, should, we, should we wrap? Can I add one thing? Just to quote Mbappe, the tweet, uh, the Instagram post or the tweet that he sent to Hakimi when he's comforting him going, don't be sad, bro. You made everybody proud. Aww. Oh, that's so cute. That feels the most fitting contribution I can make. Oh. Well, there's been a f little bit of other football news this week, some Super League stuff going through the course, but long story short, they've suffered a bit of a blow. So uh, mm. unlucky. There's some stuff very quickly in, over in Australian football, just to sort of flag that up, where the yeah, grand yeah, final yeah. the grand final is now set to be hosted exclusively in Sydney uh, for the next mm. couple of seasons, which is really upsetting not gone for... Down well. No, not at all, because the excitement was really that your club might get to host the grand final, which is such an integral yeah, part of fan culture. capitalising off the back of the men's World Cup as well. Yeah, so that's a real downer, like, and just an unnecessary, I mean, you know, football, how many times does football do this? Fumble the bag, man. Yeah, it just fumbles we, the bag, like it just gets into a good place. It's like, wow, listen. like everyone's got this great mood and then we just crush it, man. What's that about? No sport anyway. fumbles the bag quite like no association one like football. football. Absolutely. Football, you are our problematic fave. It's not my fave at all. <laughs> Problematic fave, wow. Mm, that's the one. Deep words to end the podcast. From your problematic fave and mine. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note.
We hope everyone's staying safe. And <laughs> sorry, we hope everyone stays safe and staying well and staying warm. And um, we we will be back after the World Cup final on Monday. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Stadio on Instagram at Stadio Football. Check us on Twitter at Stadio. Uh, and check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. And speaking of which, we're playing out on How Can They Tell by Isabel Antenna. Anything you would like to add, Musa Gwanga? Nothing further. <laughs> All right, everyone. Much love. Have a lovely weekend. And we will be back with you on Monday. See you then. Mm-hmm.